All right, everybody, welcome back to Rumor Flies. And today we have Shauna Mueller from Truth and Advertising with us. Hello, Shauna. Hi. Uh, so would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself or your uh, organization? Sure. Uh, thank you so much for, for having us on. Uh, so I work at truthandadvertising.org, or tina.org for short. And uh, we are a nonprofit consumer advocacy organization. And our mission, as the name implies, is all about truth and advertising. So we focus on educating consumers about false and misleading advertising. And we also advocate for them through filing legal actions with state and federal regulators. Okay. So we do a website, tuna.org, has a lot of educational information, news stories that have, that have to do with false and deceptive advertising, ad alerts. Uh, we also track class actions that are related to false and deceptive advertising. So that's sort of, you know, kind of a quick summary of what you can find on our website. Okay. And it's uh, truthandadvertising.org, or I think it's also tina.org, and it redirects over to it, right? Yes, Tina.org, because sometimes some people, it's hard to spell truth and advertising. <laughs> I like it, Tina. It makes it sound like one very, very, very strict lady that is just watching all the ads. It's cool. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, so we're going to uh, start with a few questions for you, uh, some a little bit more in-depth than others, but I think Greg's going to go ahead and start out if you're ready. When you know. All right, Greg. <laughs> so kind of our first question is, um, we, so we looked a lot through your website and um, in your FAQ, your frequently asked questions for those who somehow don't know that, um, you say that Tina.org is not affiliated with the FCC, the FDA, really any other governmental body. And um, you mentioned that you also applaud their efforts when it works and try to fill in the cracks in other situations. Uh, do you have any sort of like dialogue or a working relationship with these government branches? Like, is there, is there a conversation happening? Yes, definitely. Uh, well, we file complaints and we do sometimes hear back. Uh, for example, our most recent action that they have acted on, let me think. Um, so there was, uh, we filed a complaint against an MLM company called Vima that makes energy drinks and supplements. Uh, they make healthy energy drinks. And so after we filed that complaint, at some point, afterwards uh, we did hear back from them and we hear back from the FTC and they asked us to send them some of the data that we had collected some of the evidence that we had collected to help build their case so that does happen we provide information uh, and we try to help them once they start looking at it and for those who don't know could you explain kind of what MLM is and MLM is a multi-level marketing company uh, it's a company where in, instead of what, what they say is that instead of spending money on marketing, they have the, the money goes to distributors who market the product, let's say, via word of mouth. Um, and so it's really exploding right now because of, social, because of social media. So it's a great way to basically recruit people to come join your business. Uh, and so it is an area that we, I, I would say it's a specialty area for us. We have a lot of experience. We get a lot of consumer complaints because a lot of what we do is based on consumers who, um, you know, send us tips or file complaints with us. And we get a lot of consumer complaints in this area. So um, it is an area that we're very active in. Would uh, Some of the companies that are pretending to be legitimate multi-level marketing companies are actually pyramid schemes. Yeah, I was about to yeah, ask yeah, that. Yeah. Would you consider uh, multi-level marketing to be synonymous with both a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme? No, that is not the position that we take. Uh, you know, and certainly there are a lot of MLM critics out there that do take that position. We do not, but we think there are 
a lot of uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. So there are a lot of MLMs, pyramid schemes, sorry. There are a lot of MLMs that are disguised oh, okay. as legitimate MLMs. Okay, so there can be legitimate ones, but for the most, well, lately they've been seeing a lot of pyramids that just look like MLMs. Right, okay. exactly. Okay, I, I guess it's a good start for that one. I, that one's um, something that I was kind of wondering about. Um, I guess a real quick question, especially for these MLMs, what would you consider to be uh, some key terms, or I guess in I guess the advertising world, it's called weasel words, that's seen as, uh, that should immediately alert a consumer to deception, whether they're trying to be pulled into one of these type of schemes or say that um, you deal with a lot of things like medications or supposed medications or right. any of these uh, diet pills or a whole plethora of things or possibly even the way a car is being sold deceptively for how much you're actually going to be paying for it. What are the words that you have seen that are at the top on your list to start actually asking questions about that company? Right. So in, in terms of MLMs, you mean? Yes. So in terms of MLMs, we focus on two different areas. We focus on health claims, uh, unlawful health claims, and we also focus on income claims. It's actually very difficult to prove that a company is a pyramid scheme because you have to have access to all kinds of data that you know we as outsiders looking in don't necessarily um, have access to. Uh, and so that's why, you know, it takes sort of government action to go in and pull all their records. But what we can see is that one of the hallmarks of a pyramid scheme is an emphasis on recruitment over product sales. And so when we see a heavy emphasis on recruitment and really outrageous income claims, that's a huge red flag. Uh, and then the other thing that we look at very carefully is deceptive health claims. So, you know, if some of the MLMs that we're investigating right now, they make claims that their products can do everything from cure baldness to cancer to fibromyalgia to arthritis. I mean, they're cure-alls. They're represented as cure-alls, which is, you know, ridiculous. <laughs> do you see a lot of stuff that, like, claims to cure things that, like, might not even be real issues? It's, like, super psychosomatic. It's not an actual, like, diagnosed thing. I might be a little bit uh, stretching here, but uh, the whole restless leg syndrome thing mm. sometimes comes off as hard to believe. But apparently it's a diagnosed thing, so. Right. Well, uh, yeah. So, you know, what what it, what they're not allowed to do is claim that any, because these are not, obviously, they're not FDA-approved drugs, right? They're supplements. They're nutritional supplements. And nutritional supplements per FDA, you know, per FDA, nutritional supplements are not allowed to claim to treat, cure, prevent, or mitigate the symptoms of a disease. Because once, uh, you know, a, a, a company starts doing that with their product, then it is a drug, and therefore it must go through clinical trials and be approved by the FDA. Okay. Uh, one last question before we move on to Josh's and switch gears a tiny bit. We'll come back to some of this, but... Um, for some of these companies that Greg was asking about, well, you know, your dialogue between the uh, FCC or any other regulation. But mostly we um, communicate with the FTC because the FTC sorry. is the agency that is charged with um, consumer protection and they're the ones that look at, you know, advertising. I mean, the FDA does regulate some advertising, mostly drug advertising, prescription drug advertising, uh, but pretty much almost everything else falls under the purview of the FTC. Right. So, I think I had a little slip. I said FCC possibly. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, <laughs> concerning the FTC, uh, right. when you are 
speaking with them, have you ever had situations where you try to communicate with the uh, infringing company first before going to the FTC? We almost always go to the company first um, because, you know, as as part of our mission, we're not trying to be anti-business. And we think marketing is is important. That's how people learn about new products. That's how they learn about the product benefits. So we're not anti-marketing or anti-business. And uh, so almost in all of the complaints that we have filed, we always, almost always go to the company first. Okay. Very few exceptions. So we go to the company first, we give them some advance notice. We, you know, we usually write to them, send them something kind of like a warning letter. We say, look, this is what we found. This is a problem. You need to remedy this. And we give them a deadline. And um, so at that point, either it opens up a dialogue with the company or sometimes the company just ignores us and we just go straight to the FTC at the end of our deadline. Uh, and other times we work with the companies to try to get them to basically just follow the law. Okay. That, I, I like that policy. Uh, Josh, you ready to switch it up before we get a little more serious? They're not cooperating or they're just stalling us or, you know, or ignoring us. Yes. Then we go ahead and file that FTC complaint. All right. So I have a a particular question when it comes to the actual advertisements. How does Tina feel about like the sped up fine print? You know, when you you see an advertisement and you hear somebody all of a sudden, you know, like the the auctioneer house guy who's, you know, speaking real, real, real fast. This part is not guaranteed. Yeah, basically (laughs) that. I mean... Do you right. guys look well, into things like that, or or, or what? We what's don't like your that story? at all? No, we don't like that at all. Yeah. And fact, we have talked about filing a complaint, especially on television, where it, it goes by. It's super, super small fine print. It, you can't read it. It goes by super fast, or like you said, they're talking really fast. And you can't understand them. Um, and that you know what they are doing with what they're doing is they're providing a disclaimer. And the FTC has some rules about disclaimers and the disclaimers are supposed to be clear or or disclosure. A disclosure is supposed to be clear and conspicuous. So, you know, obviously (laughs) when it goes by super fast or it's super tiny, that's not clear and conspicuous. No, not at all. No. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously when they speed it up like that, you know, you could use the argument, I guess, that you know, they're paying for this much time, so they're trying to get as much possible into that time, which is kind of weird that that would even be a, a legal thing in regulation. But I, obviously, I feel like if they're speeding something up that much, it's clearly something they don't want you to hear outright, but they need to get it out there anyway. Right. And and there are rules also about disclosures that disclosures, you can't make a claim, let's say in an ad, right? You can't make a claim and then negate that claim in the disclosure. So a disclosure oh. should never, what they call in the FTC language, that what they say is a disclosure can never cure a false claim. So you got to have some creative writers actually writing the commercial if you're going to have that disclosure afterwards too. Right, To right. dance around what they're actually saying. Okay. We actually just went to a conference. We went to an FTC conference two weeks ago, and the whole conference, the whole workshop all day was about disclosures. Hmm. And a lot of the talk was about privacy disclosures, interestingly enough. And um, there were researchers there who had done all kinds of experiments and eye tracking experiments and things like that. And, you know, sadly, um, a lot of the data revealed that consumers often don't look at those disclosures. I don't. Part of that is because they're so long and confusing and really difficult to read. So I think there is some impulse to make those a little simpler. Well, it's kind of like the pre-90s nutrition facts where they used to get away with putting like the chemical makeup of the various things. And eventually, you know, they had to put accurate things like 
calcium, protein, fat, carbs. Like, wasn't that like uh, during the Clinton administration that happened? Or am it, I it's still that now. Um, for example, with sugars, right? So, you know, sugar is evil. Sugar is bad now. So people are trying to come up with some creative names for sugar. So we see a lot of class actions against... Uh, Turbinado, companies. I remember one of them being... Oh, no, no, no. Evaporated cane juice. <laughs> oh, okay. I like that one. That is awesome. <laughs> right. So, you know, and then what they'll do is they'll, they'll have all these different names for sugar and, and then try to count them all separately. But yes, evaporated cane juice. We've seen a number of class actions and lawsuits related to evaporated cane juice. Yeah, because I feel like if I read that, my knee jerk would be, that must be distinct from sugar. Like, I also, <laughs> if I read that, I'm like, well, there must be something different about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. And there's been a big lawsuit over the term corn sugar as well, uh, because uh, the, so the corn industry, so they don't want to say high fructose corn syrup, right? Because so many people are sensitive to that term. So they want to use uh, corn sugar instead. So that's interesting. Huh. So, um, you know, and, uh, so another another question just kind of goes a little bit back to your talking about um, you said earlier y'all really like to emphasize. I saw it a lot on your website. Y'all are very very big on emphasizing how you're not anti marketing or advertising, and you definitely see its value, and you're even entertained by some of those commercials out there. Right. Um, so have you ever like? Have you, nevertheless, do y'all worry that you could potentially foster a bias or hostility towards advertising and marketing? And have you ever really seen that happen? Whether internally or in your communities that you know support your site just what what how have you seen that develop or anything like that well i mean internally you know obviously we look at it we're biased in that we look at it from this consumer protection standpoint so we're very sensitive to wait is was that not clear was that you know are they trying to fool us um was that fine print too small sure. uh is it a negative option offer so obviously we're examining ads very very critically more so than your average consumer probably. Um, but yeah, we do, we do like ads. We watch them all day long. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh at them and we're entertained by them. And, you know, it's interesting that different personalities in our office have sort of preferences. Um, you know, I like the high production value ads. Um, Laura Smith, our legal director, uh, she likes the, you know, sappy mom ads. Um, so, you know, we kind of each have our own types of ads that we enjoy and like. Um, but yes, we definitely look at them with a critical eye. There is definitely other organizations out there that are that are probably more critical. And I guess we're just trying to distinguish ourselves in terms of we're not anti-business. Um, there are other organizations that are, that are, you know, they equate marketing with capitalism. So they're anti-capitalism, anti-marketing, anti-business. And that, so that's just not... That's not who we are. So Tina's more of trying to uh, make marketing better by weeding out the bad marketing first. Keeping ads honest. So okay. yeah, there you go. That's that's much easier than what I said. Uh, <laughs> so I guess my next question is: uh, you mentioned about how a lot of uh, supplement companies uh, say that they need um, they have to watch out for what they say, or else it becomes a drug, and then it is uh, subject to lots of regulation by the FDA. Now, with that being said, what weight does an FDA approval actually hold nowadays since, I mean, essentially, if you really wanted to sell something, you can still advertise it even though it's not approved. You can still just go ahead and fast track it and not have to worry about any of this. And to most consumers, they don't even, you know, realize what an FDA approval means. Right. Well, but, you know, the thing is that the concern is 
there's there's the FDA approved drugs, and then there are the supplements, which there's no, the FDA does not do any sort of pre-approval for supplements. Um, and that's because of uh, what is known as the, as Deshay, which is the dietary supplement. Wait, I'm going to have to look it up. Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of 1994. Okay. Um, under Deshay, Deshay really only says that there's going to have, there has to be uh, a two part disclaimer on any sort of supplement. And the, those, that disclaimer says these statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. And this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So um, I, I guess uh, tangential to that, you know, I assume the FDA has a certain list of things where if it has this ingredient in the supplement, then it has to be considered a drug. But right. uh, okay, so you're saying that say that somebody wanted to make a, I guess this is uh, relevant right now, a cheaper version of the EpiPen, but didn't want to have to uh, get it caught up in all the red tape. They couldn't just say this is the possibly helpful for diabetics pen, or yeah, sorry, uh, for people that have allergic reactions pen, or, right. or you know, or even for insulin, something like that, where they can just you know. It would be a good intention that they want to sell it for cheaper and not have to worry about the FDA, but at the same time, it would be dishonest because it is still a drug at that point. Right. It is a drug. I mean, if it has... So, for example, this comes up all the time with erectile dysfunction drugs. Uh, and it's interesting because some of them... So, so the ones that we see that are advertised that get busted by the FDA is precisely for that reason, is that they actually contain the active ingredient of Viagra. Uh, but they claim to be the natural, you know, natural cure. They have all kinds of funny names, but they actually contain that active ingredient, which is regulated by the FDA for a reason, because it, you know, increases your risk of heart attacks or, you know, cardiovascular events. So there's a reason why it, it is regulated and needs FDA approval. But then there are all these companies that are selling, you know, natural or low cost versions that actually have that ingredient in it, and but they represent that. Oh no, it's this is the natural version. Okay. Um, no, I think that that kind of makes for a nice segue into my next question, which would be is like like what is the your stance on natural versus organic? Is you know is there such a big difference in marketing or like Tina's stance on it or or, or anything like that? Or even legal definition? Yeah, or even a legal matter. definition? Yeah. There, there actually is. I mean, that's the thing is that organic actually has a legal definition. Um, it is regulated by the USDA. Uh, and so there is a definition for organic. Natural, on the other hand, is a completely meaningless term. It's, it's used all the time, um, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't actually have a very strict definition. And in fact, I think the FDA right now has put out a call for comments from the public asking for the public to provide some input on, oh no, not natural, that's, I, it might be healthy. I have to look that up. Um, I just tweeted it today. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, but it's jumbled in my head now, um, I, whether it was natural or healthy. Look it up real quick. But that—that's kind of the point that I'm making is that you know if somebody says something's natural or somebody that says something organic, I mean it uh, to me it basically seems like they're implying the same oh, thing. Healthy. Sorry, it was healthy. healthy. The FDA wants to know what you think healthy means. Okay. 
So it's, I guess they have a binding term for organic where you actually do have to meet criteria in order to put it on there. But just saying natural, I mean, it could be anything and you can just say, you know, it's natural plastic and they'll right. go ahead and not question you whatsoever because nobody has put a definition on it. Yeah, they don't. So they have, they have not defined the term natural. Um, they haven't objected to people putting it on. Um, and so they kind of loosely say, as long as it doesn't contain added color, artificial flavors, or synthetic substances, but it's, uh, there's not a, a good strict definition. And so everyone's using it because it's a great marketing play. Uh, yeah, it, it works very well, clearly. Right. <laughs> Ask any bodybuilder. Yeah, <laughs> true. Right, yeah, so it is, uh, but whereas, whereas organic ha does have a, a legal definition. Right. My next question has to do with um, where's the line between this is false advertising and caveat emptor, you know, buyer beware, begin and end. Do you have like some sort of metric or list of questions you apply that helps you determine um, where like a consumer is, when a consumer is responsible about what they buy versus the possibility of them being deceived? Right. So I would say that when we look at an ad, we look for certain red flags. So we have a, a section on our website called Deceptive Marketing 101, and it outlines some of the tactics and tactics that we see being used and that really do, you know, deceive or confuse or mislead consumers. Um, you know, some of the examples would be made in the USA. That's something that we have looked into quite a bit. And um, we even, you know, basically busted Walmart on this. Um, so maybe the USA is a very prying tactic because plenty of studies show that people love to buy made in the USA, want to buy American made products. And not only do they want to buy American made products, they're willing to pay more for products that are labeled made in the USA. Um, and so unfortunately there are companies out there that use that label that, you know, are not using it properly. And, so, you know, so what is the what is the burden on the consumer, I guess, for Made in the USA? They're looking at a label and um, they're expecting when something says Made in the USA that it is, right? They're not expecting it to be made in China or Korea. Um, so, in, for example, and that is kind of what Walmart was doing. They were labeling products on their website on walmart.com. Um, they had stickers on the product, um, on the products stickers that said made in the USA and our research, our investigation found that there were products, many products that were actually mislabeled now, that were not made in the USA. Now, what about the, the flip side of that with like frivolous lawsuits by uh, the actual consumers like Red Bull gives you wings? I mean, we all know Red Bull does not actually give you wings, but I mean, there was a lawsuit that was brought up about that because, you know, somebody mentioned that that was false advertising. Right. There was a lawsuit and... And actually, we wrote about this. So it wasn't about the wings. Um, I think all the media focused, and, and maybe that was Red Bull's way of spinning that. All the media centered on, this is so ridiculous, of course, but that's actually not the claim that was the heart of the matter. So that was, this all had to do with a class action lawsuit, um, a, couple, a few of them actually. Um, and in the lawsuit, the the people who filed the lawsuit um, said that Red Bull was falsely marketing its drinks as superior to other cheaper caffeine only products, um, and that basically they didn't have credible and scientific 
credible and reliable scientific evidence to support these claims. So it never was actually about, you know, Red Bull physically giving the, you wings. It was about those claims. So some uh, of the okay. claims that they did not have scientific proof to, to say, uh, to make these claims, increases performance, increases concentration and reaction speed, improves vigilance, stimulates metabolism, makes you feel more energetic and thus improves your overall well-being. So it, it really wasn't about the wings. They did settle and they, I think they sent refunds. It wasn't too long ago. It might've been last year when people were starting to get their refunds. Um, I think the media focused so much on the wings aspect of it, but that's actually not what it was all about. Okay. Now I, I guess that I mean, there's definitely absurd ones, right? There's yeah. Definitely some crazy. <laughs> right. Well, <clears throat> now has Tina ever had to retract or backpedal on a complaint, you know, whether legally or in print or anything like that? Uh, we haven't had to backtrack, but you know, sometimes we'll send a warning letter and we have companies who then we're working with. We, you know, we have had to, uh, withdraw a complaint because of compliance from the company. Okay. Okay. So, you, so that, that's the good thing. You gave them the chance first. Complies. Yeah. So we've had a situation, I, I can't remember the exact, uh, details, but we did have a situation where we didn't hear from them or they weren't cooperating. We sent the FTC complaint and then they did comply. And so, and they actually went through and you know removed everything that we told them was, was misleading or, or false. And um, so then we went ahead and contacted the FTC and let them know that we were withdrawing our complaint because the company had complied. So it wasn't a situation more of eating crow and it was more of they actually took the steps necessary in order to, you know, right the wrong. Right, right. I mean, we okay. try to be very, very, very careful, obviously. Uh, and um, But we do have companies where we have differences of opinion. Okay. It's more of a subjective thing, I guess? Well, for example, we recently filed a complaint against the Kardashian-Jenner family, as well as, I think, a list of about 30 companies uh, about disclosures for Instagram posts that the family members um, we're posting that are basically ads that are ads, Instagram posts that are ads. Oh. Um, and so, you know, when we sent the warning letter, we sent it to both the, uh, the family's attorney, as well as to all those individual companies. And, um, some of the companies, as far as we know, were very cooperative because, uh, the it, family members went in and changed the post immediately. And there were other companies where the posts were changed. We, our uh, legal director did have a conversation with Estee Lauder. And Estee Lauder took the position that hashtag KJ4EL was sufficient disclosure that uh, Kendall Jenner, I think Kendall Jenner's posts were ads. So and what does that hashtag mean? <laughs> I know. Well, do you know what it means? I know the KJ, but yeah, uh, that's about it. I don't know the rest. It means K Kendall Jenner for Estee Lauder. Oh wow, that that's clearly sufficient. So okay. we disagree. Okay, so All we, right. we report. Yeah, I guess tangential to the whole Instagram thing. I know there's a whole lot of debate, especially with YouTube being more important in, I guess, social media and culture in general, that there's been a lot of, I guess, uh, something that I'm uh, familiar with is I've seen a lot of people that do like. Uh, let's players for video games they'll be playing this game and talking about oh this is great at the end of it uh, but at the same time they don't disclose that they are paid off by the company to play that game in front of 
a very large audience potentially and then influence them to buy that game or only recently have they been revealed to all the time too it yeah be as simple as that doesn't it? yeah so um i guess it's along the right. same lines have you seen anything going on with like uh i guess youtube personalities or anything going on on that front of uh advertising because it's it's pretty genius advertising you don't even know you're getting an ad sold to you Right, right. Yes. Well, definitely. And this is an area that, you know, we are now focusing on. And we know that the FTP is focusing on. Um, they've taken a couple of recent actions, recent being the last year or so, um, that deals with what they call, you know, what they call influencer marketing, native advertising, sponsored content, whatever you want to call it. And I, I don't know if you've heard of this one, but just this past July, Warner Brothers settled FTC charges uh, over gameplay videos, and the the YouTuber who who they they hired um, apparently is very famous. His name is PewDiePie. Yep, we're aware. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. They paid him, uh, you know, to I guess play that game, um, and it was the game was Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor. Good game, by the way. Warner <laughs> Brothers did not pay us to say that. Right. They paid him to play that game, and there was no disclosure. And the FTC, um, the video was was viewed more than 3.7 million times. Um, and apparently he was paid, you know, a lot of money for that. Um, so they got in big trouble. So what I, I actually saw his response video to that, and this is completely off the wall. We didn't have this in our uh, docket at all, but um, right. it's off the wall. I saw his response video. He said that the disclosure was there. It was just if you click the more information section on the video, like the pull down thing where it gives right. you like the complete set, it says I was sponsored by Warner Brothers. Now, right. I don't know if he had they like archived. What, what's that? That was not that, that's not good enough because um, the FTC came out with some some rules about dis, uh, endorsements. And what they said was that it has to be, uh, this is a back, back to that clear and conspicuous, clear and conspicuous. And, um, and so you can't be, you know, in a pop-up or in a pull-down or somewhere where the consumer has to look for it. Uh, it okay. Where the consumer can't miss it. So how does that fall on Warner Brothers then? Well, generally, the FTC has gone after the companies involved because they're the ones that are paying the advertisers and they should know better. Okay. They have not taken action in the actions that they've taken um, when it comes to, you know, influencer marketing. They have not gone after the individuals themselves, but we actually think it's about time they do because some of these individuals, like, for example, the Kardashians, are making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. From doing this so what you're basically yeah. saying is is that you know you can't claim ignorance in this if right, since you're getting right. paid I mean, such a large amount of money this isn't just like some you know little blogger who didn't know better right um, yeah there was clearly right. some legal uh papers involved with it right if this is your career then you probably should know a little bit about what those disclosures are supposed to look like and what's legal and what's not. Yeah. Right. And I guess uh, jumping on to those last two things, this is a little bit, uh, not as close, but the last question I have will be. Uh, the next question is, what would you consider 
the most dangerous form of false advertisement in terms of which field or which tactic, like which one really needs to be addressed the heaviest? Because you have uh, something yeah. where somebody is being ripped off by the fact that they are paying more for a certain car as opposed to they're paying for some uh, homeopathic remedy that is being sold on a website. You know, uh, what right. do you consider is the one that really needs I to be addressed the most? Are definitely very dangerous because, you know, in terms of people gambling with their health and thinking that some sort of supplement would, would cure them. So not only are they potentially wasting their money, spending, you know, a, a lot of money in some cases for these cure-alls or these supplements that are supposed to help them with, with their diseases, but they're also delaying getting real treatment, um, which could be fatal. Yeah. Uh, so health claims are very concerning to us. Uh, and, you know, we see them being used across the board. Would you uh, consider diet pills to fall into that category? Sure. Yeah, diet pills too. Okay. Uh, I guess we're going to wrap it up with something a little bit, I guess, fun, depending on how the answers go with this one. On your website, tina.org or truthandadvertising.org, you have a wall of shame for many different advertisers that you think are some of uh, the least honest or at least the best at lying and then get caught. And Uh, we've been neglecting that. We need to add more. Okay. Well, (laughs) if if you want to give us a preview, who would you consider to be your favorite favorite wall of shame members? Oh, goodness. That's so hard. There's so many. Uh, Well, one of my favorites has to be this guy, Kevin Trudeau. Who? Kevin Trudeau. Now, he's not a celebrity, um, but he, and, and, you know, he was, I guess, kind of, his popularity crested in the, more in the 2000s, but he um, has been busted by the FTC over and over and over. Um, First, he was selling supplements. He was something, selling something called, I think he was involved with something called um, coral calcium. Um, So then they busted him and they said, no more selling products. So then what he does is he decides to sell books instead. So he starts selling books. And one of his books was um, the weight loss cure they don't want you to know about. And he used infomercials to sell them. So he sold that book. Then he sold another book about, you know, health. I don't remember the exact titles, but it was similar, sort of like health cures they don't want you to know about. Um, And so it's just funny because he, um, basically just he could not stop making deceptive claims he just couldn't stop and uh, he created he even created a pyramid scheme called the global information network um and so ftc kept going after him finally at some point um they they were able to get a a 37.6 million dollar um they had ordered him to pay. The court had ordered him to pay, um, but he claimed that he didn't have any money and he was broke. Meanwhile, he was living in some, you know, lavish mansion in Switzerland, and um, <laughs> he is now in jail. <laughs> um, so a jury found him guilty of criminal con- contempt, um, sentenced to ten years for making deceptive claims, and uh, so he's just yes. Something tells yeah. me he would not do well in a casino. Right, right. And he's still, I mean, I I, I recently, not not too long, I saw this jailhouse interview with him, and he thinks it's all a conspiracy, of course. Uh, Oh, okay. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like I said, do well in a casino. Just eliminate all culpability. 
Right. Uh, I, I guess. And then I can't, but not mention Doctor Oz. Yes. Okay. okay. We uh, we recently <laughs> oh, did an episode on Doctor Oz. That so badly. Oh, yeah. we were waiting for you to say that. Uh, right. I can follow that up with a question. Doctor Oz does not sell any products, correct? No. But he, he, he does not. He has people on that uh, represent these potentially snake oilish products, and he right. doesn't have any sort of retort or any body on the other side of the fence to really debate them so right definitely giving some of these these shady characters a platform yes <laughs> so it, it's more what would you consider that is there any way that that could be brought up against him because it, it's not like he's actually making profit by selling the things but he's clearly complicit in people knowing about it and at least trying it out right Right. And that's why he, I don't know if you ever saw his congressional testimony. Um, you know, he was hauled into Congress and um, it's, it's definitely worth watching because they grilled him. It's spectacular. It, it, it is, <laughs> yeah, they grilled him and, um, you know, he had he had nothing to say. I mean, it's 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 worth watching just just to see them ask. Claire McCaskill is amazing. <laughs> uh, what ended up becoming of that? I mean, they pretty much just publicly shamed him and just slapped him in the right. face and then sent him home. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. But, you know, the, some of the companies that um, he promoted on the show promoted, meaning, you know, gave a platform to on a show. Um, some of those companies have gotten in big trouble. The Green Bean, um, Weight Loss. I want to say the green bean machine, but that's not what it is. Green the coffee green, bean extract, I believe. Green coffee bean. Um, also, Garcinia Cambogia. Uh, <laughs> and so I kind of briefly mentioned that we we follow class actions, and there's also a lot of class actions that have to do with products that are featured on the show. Wow. So yeah, I guess that's kind of like, a, hey, what can we uh, take a look at today? And then you just turn on Dr. Oz and just start from there. Right, right, right. I know. It's very sad because, you know, he does have such a such a popular show that so many people watch and he is a trained physician. He's got great credentials and and yet he has these people on his show that clearly he's not vetting very carefully and they're taking advantage of you know, hundreds of thousands of consumers. Yeah. Uh, so I I guess that was the real tricky question because, you know, it, you can't tell what's truly in Dr. Oz's heart, whether he's being taken advantage of by these people and he's just really bad at doing character profiles or he clearly is in it with them. But uh, I don't know. I There's nothing that can prove that one way or another unless you get some you know phone calls in between them. But I, I was just interested on that little side of it because, you know, technically it's not an advertisement, but at the same time, it's totally an advertisement. <laughs> it's, right, it's a thinly right. veiled endorsement. Yeah, exactly. Especially yeah. if he paid them to come on to the show. Right, right. Well, I, 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 you know, I don't know exactly. I don't know about those financial dealings, but I he who pays who. He, yeah. <laughs> is that um, there are gazillions of sites um, that claim to have Dr. Oz endorsements, and you know, I guess a lot of people don't realize that he actually doesn't endorse individual products, specific products. And so uh, there are a lot of these fake news sites and fake webs, fake websites that or sites that have these fake endorsements. Um, and sometimes what they'll do is they'll have a little clip of him when he had that product, when he mentioned the product on the show. And they'll just take that clip out of context, you know, show a very, very small clip. 
and they'll say, you know, yes, this is the product that Dr. Oz says will cure your, you know, whatever disease, blood pressure. So. That's our favorite type of clip uh, <laughs> that goes around <laughs> on YouTube and Facebook a lot, clearly. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, I think we're done grilling you for the day. Uh, thank you very <laughs> much, Shauna, for coming out. This has been great. I know. I hope I, hope I, I gave you some of the information that you needed. I mean, we're, we kind of, we have so much on our website, it's hard to keep track of. And that's really because we're looking at everything when it comes to fall. Everything except for political advertising, which we don't do at all. Um, everything other than that, you know, we are trying to sort of uh, get a handle on. So, And we very much appreciate and applaud that effort. And uh, the last thing before we let you go is the last thing before we let you go is just uh, just one more time. Let people know how they can, uh, you know, get in contact with you or, you know, find more about uh, Tina and, and everything like that. Right. Well, come to our website, uh, www.truthandadvertising.org or www.tina.org. Like I said, we do a lot of the actions that we take and a lot of our investigations are based on consumer complaints. We look at every single one of them. We don't, we, you know, we don't act on every single one of them, but we definitely look at every single one. And um, so we do, we do have a file a complaint form on our website. We have a contact form and we also have an alert us. And um, so, you know, not only, so if you've been affected by false or misleading advertising or, you know, someone that has, let us know so that we can warn other people and help other consumers. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. All right. All right. Greg, you want to uh, stop the recording? Yep.